dabble in David's life and Brother Brian had started it and he started this morning and I'm thinking man we're going to be we're dealing with David tonight as well and he didn't preach my message and if it had been okay if he had I'd have, I would have figured something else out and just took notes of what he's preaching but the life of David there are there is a lot in first and second Samuel that dealing with David and dealing with with his life and I the kids know that David's my I'm not real deep in my theological reasons for this. I love David, Brother Evan, because David was a normal man that messed up, and God still used him. 
And uh, that's what I am. I want to be a normal man that I know that I've messed up, but God can still use me. And uh, I came to the end of David's life, and as I was sitting there this week with my family, and we'll be in and out again, I'm sure, tomorrow and Tuesday, just kind of reminiscing and, and looking at pictures and memories and funny stories and, and sad stories and just thankful for my heritage, thankful for where we came from. And uh, our family is not perfect. You all know that. Uh, but I'm thankful that I'm thankful God's placed me in an, in an hour. I'm thankful God let me be born here. I'm thankful that God gave me the family that he gave me. But I was thinking this week, especially Tuesday night, and I may be mention of it just a little bit more in a minute, of the conversation between me and my, my grandmother. But I, got, I thought about the end of David's life. Chapter number 23 of 2 Samuel uh, starts out with this. The verse number 1, the Bible says, Now these be the last words of David. Now we're going to continue to read here in just a second, but I think about everything that David's done up to this point. And David's had a life of a lot of accolades. He's had a life of a lot of high parts, a lot of low spots. And unfortunately, when I say David, uh, to the little ones, most of the time they remember two dates. They remember the day that he defeated the giant, and they remember the day that he sinned with Bathsheba. You say, well, Brother Brandon, there was a lot, Brother Kevin, in between those two, the, all that David did and the, va- the victories and the, the battles, and even the, even the sinfulness and the, and the, the doubt. There's, there's caves and there's messages and thousands and thousands of things But it's very important to realize that our life more than likely can be summed up by a few uh, memorable moments, whether it be good or bad, some we wish they would forget and some that we would never forget. But David's life is much more than that. But when I get to the very end of this, this book here of 2 Samuel, getting ready to go into the Kings and, 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 and study more, I believe he actually passes away here. The Bible records it here in, in 1 Kings chapter number 2 and verse number 10. But he's, he's basically writing his swan song in chapter 22. When we get to chapter 23, the Bible said, Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, The man who was raised up on high and anointed of God of Jacob. And the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and with his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake unto me, He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as the light of the morning, and he, uh, when, it shall, when the sun riseth, even the morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing out of the earth by, by the clear shining after the rain. Verse number 5, Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant, order in all things, and sure for this. This is all my salvation and my desires, although he makes it not to grow. Verse number 6, the Bible said, But the sons of Belial shall be all of them as thorns thrust away, because they cannot be taken with hands. But the man that shall touch them must be, uh, must be fenced with iron and the staff of a spear, and they shall be utterly burned with fire in the same place. You said, Brother Brandon, it gets a little bit deeper as we get into this, and I understand that. And actually, this whole chapter is dealing with leadership, and David is giving some instructions on leadership, and we need some leadership. Uh, we have great leadership, and I'm thankful that this church and our pastor and those that lead, but in our country, we're in a day and an hour, we need good leadership. And I could preach on that tonight, but God hadn't given me the green light to do so. We know David's mighty men is, is mentioned here in chapter number uh, 7, or after chapter number 23, verse number 13, through the remainder of the chapter. This is where they break through and they went to get uh, David a drink of water by the way at the garrison of the Philistines they made a breakthrough for their man of God there's a lot of things packed 
Brother Jesse, in this text. But the first line of chapter number 23 is what intrigued me tonight, what God's placed on my heart, and that is where it said, Now these be the last words of David. You think about listening to what people say, but as I've learned this week and been reminded, and you, all of you have that's lost loved ones, the last words of somebody is something worth listening to. You think, Brother Brandon, they've said thousands. I can't imagine, especially me and Malachi, how, much, how many words are mentioned in my house on a daily. Because, I mean, listen, I don't hush, and he don't hush, and I don't know. You say, Brother Brandon, Chrissy don't talk much. You don't get a chance, Brother Dalton, to talk a whole lot. Man, he goes, everybody says, man, he's either going to be a politician or a preacher because he does not shut up. And I said, I know, but it's just all the time. But you think sometimes Miss Christie says she can tell when I'm not listening because she's talking and I'll just say, uh-huh. Uh-huh, but I don't stop. If I ever, you're ever talking to me and I start saying, uh-huh, and uh-huh, stop me because I'm not listening to a word you say, and I'm revealing that right now. Get me by the cheeks or just hold me by the ears and say, are you listening to me? Because sometimes it's easy to get distracted. But I think about a man by the stature of David and everything that he's done and everything. It's almost like a, a preacher. I think about Brother Tim Gammons and others in my life that can just walk by and they mention something. When they start talking, Brother Roger Baker, I say this often, when he starts preaching, I start listening because he can give me more in a Sunday school outline than I can get a lot of times in my entire life because God has blessed them with that. I remember being in Bible college and it aggravate me, but I also kept a pen ready because Brother Tim would walk by the door every once in a while and stick his head in and he would just blurt out a message. I mean, he would just say something that was the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I'm thinking, here I am studying for hours, Brother Evan, and I ain't got nothing. And this guy comes down the hall whistling and going to the bathroom or something and says, hey, think about these things. And he spits it out. Man, I'm writing as fast as I can write to write it down because when some people speak, we listen. There's some people that speak, we don't need to listen. I can tell you that. I don't get time to preach on that tonight either. But I'm saying when people of God speak, it is, it is very valuable to listen. David, his life, and all that he had said, I mean, just sitting there, and I don't know. You said, Brother Brandon, maybe we'll talk to him when we get to heaven. All I know is when I get to heaven, we're going to be worshiping the Lord. I don't know what else is going to take place. I'm not there preaching about that tonight. You said, Brother Brandon, we're going to be able to talk to this person or talk to that person. That may be so, but when I get there, we're there for one reason, and that is to worship him. I miss my grandma. You said, Brother Brandon, you get to talk to her again, and that may be the case, but I'm just, if I never speak to her again in heaven, if I never get to talk to her physically, if we're just there worshiping the Lord together, that is what we are designed to do but David is fixing to exit the scene and I've said all that to get to this David is fixing to audibly give his last words before he goes into heaven before he goes here into paradise before he goes to a place that he'll never return his eternal life because of his belief in Jesus Christ so as I begin to think about this you almost want to stop reading you've read all the way through Genesis to 2 Samuel but when you get to chapter number 23 the Bible said these are the last words of David. There's some things that we need to listen. David is going to give us some, some basically, if I were to give a title tonight, it would simply be this, last word lessons. Some lessons from last words. 2 Samuel 23, verse 1 through 7, David is nearing the final chapter of his life. Just a few chapters over in 1 Kings, as I said a while ago, chapter number 2, David will draw his last breath here on earth. David leaves us with some valuable lessons in the opening verse of this passage. In verse number 1, Carson, he basically, David's identity is being revealed to us. Out of everything that he's done and everything that he is, he reveals his true identity in a way that it would do us a lot of good to look and listen to closely in the descriptions of this great king and Christian. 
David reminds us of some leadership lessons. I'm going to preach fast, and I say this jokingly. I, I, I am doing something, I guess, with some of you here in the church of an intermediate fasting, and my window, Miss Chandra, is closing, so i got to get home and eat before my window closes. I'm going to starve to death till tomorrow at 1 o'clock. So you say, you shouldn't do that. We'll talk about that after church. I'm trying to get some help with my stomach, but I'm telling you, I'm going to preach fast because I'm hungry. But i tell you this much tonight. David, in our text, says these are the last words of David what does he teach us here in these verses starting in verse number one of chapter number 23 David reveals his identity threefold identity said brother Brandon we know who David is we can describe who David is but listen what David says about David now if I were David I would say remember when I did this or remember when I did that or remember when I done this so this is my my final chapter so to speak this is how I want it to read God's blessed me in my ministry God's blessed me in the kingdom God's blessed me and everything, but this is how David describes himself. Notice, first of all, David reveals his past or his beginning. Look at verse number one. The Bible said these be the last words of David, and the next part is very important because this is the first thing that is said about David. David, the son of Jesse. Brother Brandon, what is David teaching us here in his last words? David is teaching us, Brother James, that it wasn't any hesitation in reminding us all in this text where he was, who he was, and what he was doing when the Lord found him. Can I tell you, we ought to never get to the place we forget where we were when God found us. David never forgot that he was a shepherd before he was a king. Long before there was a palace, there was a field. Long before there was a valley of Elah, there was a field. And David, when describing himself here, when David's last words comes out, he said, I I am David. I'm not the great king. I'm not the great ruler. I'm not the great savior. I'm not the mighty man of valor. He said, David, the son of Jesse. I believe all my heart, just as we have done this week, David is knowing that his life is drawing near and he begins to reminisce by the wane of where God brought him from. And he remembers that day that he was left out, as our pastor said this morning, of Jesse's family. And he was put out to watch the sheep because there was no way that God was going to use him. There was no way God was going to choose him. There was no reason for God to use him his life. He didn't fit the bill. He didn't fit the mold. He didn't fit the the fashion of what they were looking for. Yet God, there came a day where he was watching the sheep. And I don't know how it happens. You can imagine tonight that somebody came a run and a messenger came a run and he said, hey, you're needed in your father's house. You're needed in the living room. He didn't have time to take a bath. He didn't have time to comb his hair. He didn't have time to put the sheep up. I don't know who stayed with them. I don't have a clue what happened, but he ran in the house just because his father called for him. Little did he know that he'd be anointed that day by the man of God not to be king that day and he was actually anointed three times before he became actual king but we know that in that day that David was anointed king I believe as he's here at the end of his life and he begins to think about his last words and what he's going to say what he's going to address what he's going to tell these mighty men and what this chapter is all about out of all the things he could have said he began with the identity he revealed his past you know humility is something that I, I can't be perfect in everything but Evan, I'll never be at the greatest preacher in all the world. I'll never maybe even the greatest youth pastor in all the world. But I ought to be the I ought to have the highest humility of anyone. You say, Brother Brandon, I can't control the way I preach. I can't control the way that I teach. I can't control necessarily whether I succeed in life or don't succeed in life. But all of us can control our humility. One of the greatest attributes of anybody, especially a Christian, is someone that is humble. Someone that knows that they don't deserve where they are but always remembers where they were in their life. Brother Brandon, what makes a great Sunday school teacher? Somebody that's humble. What makes a great choir leader? Somebody that's humble. What makes a great door holder? Somebody that is simply humble. We live in a nation and we live in a, in a, in a, in a fashion to where 
Someone that is, that is big or built or bad or, or muscular is considered to be a real man, Petey, but that is as far from the truth as it can be. But having the greatest thing you can be for that little girl, she don't need a superhero. There may be times she needs you to defend her, but she don't need a superhero. She needs somebody that is humble enough to bring her to church, to teach her the Bible, to teach her the Word of God, to be there faithful for her to grow up and know that she loves my mom and he treats my mom like she should be. I don't care if he ever bench presses 500. I may not be able to bench press a chicken leg, but I'm telling you, it don't matter what it is, understand this, humility and knowing and remembering what God has done for you would be a great way to remember here King David. David said, I was the son and I am the son of Jesse. Brother Brandon, what are you thinking about? Listen, if I were to achieve great things, Brother Allen, I were to become millionaires and billionaires and, 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 and the greatest pastor of 10,000 people, which probably will never happen in our life. I never, ever want to forget growing up and knowing that I had a mom and dad that brought me to church. You said, Brother Brandon, man, they wasn't perfect, and they did this, and they did that, and I understand that. But I, I thought about this week looking back at pictures when I was little, and, man, sometimes my clothes didn't match. I, I probably picked them out myself. I still can't get the boys' clothes right. Man, we didn't have a sandbox. We had a sand pile. I look back at pictures with my grandma holding me there at that little brown trailer on Liberty Baptist Church Road, and we didn't own the land. We owned the trailer. But I remember growing up, and you said, Brother Brandon, were you poor? I'm not saying we was poor. We lived in a single wife trailer and I'm thankful for that there's times that my family wish we were back there some of the memories and just looking back and remembering things and 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 fishing at that watershed and different things that bless my heart this week but can I tell you as as second Samuel 23 says about David he said I was the son of Jesse before I was anything else I was this can I tell you no matter where God takes us no matter where God takes our church we ought to never ever forget where God's brought us from we ought to never forget what God's done for us said with a brand I can't help nobody I'm not going to talk to nobody, whether it be one of these kids that come in on a van or whether they pull in in a Rolls Royce or whether they pull in in a Lamborghini or whatever they're driving. We ought to never forget where we would be if God not touched our life. David was a shepherd, Brother Matt. David knew. Listen, David could have been a shepherd all of his life, and I believe that he'd been content. But because God knew he would never forget where he came from, God did much more in his life. Brother Brandon, how can I be assured that God's going to use my life? I believe God uses humble people. I believe God uses people that understands and never forgets their past. I wrote this down moving quickly. May we never be ashamed of where we started. Our past, notice this, our past does not define us, but it ought to remind us. Brother Brandon, good, bad, or ugly, this is where my past is. Can I tell you, it don't have to define you. Brother Brandon, I grew up in this. I grew up in that. I grew up in this. Maybe you grew up in a great home. That doesn't define you. It doesn't give you an automatic success to being a Christian. It doesn't make you a better Christian than someone that didn't have all that. Said, Brother Brandon, we only had power on Mondays and they cut it off on Tuesday. They turned it back on on Wednesdays. I don't care where you come from or what you're doing. The moment that you forget where you came from, God can't use you. Brother Brandon, how can I remember where I came from? I'm telling you, our past doesn't define us, but it, ought to, it should remind us both good and bad of what God's done for us. David reminds us here in his last words of his past. Number two, quickly, David reminds us of his ascension. You said, Brother Brandon, what do you mean by ascension? Well, we know where David is at this point in his life. He's king. God's blessed him greatly. But notice what the Bible says. Now, these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, uh, the, And the man who was raised up upon high, the anointed, the God of Jacob. How dare him address himself as the anointed one? Or how dare David describe himself as the one who was raised up on high? Can I tell you, this is not David speaking. This is what God done for David in his life. The Bible says here, they use that word raise. You know what you have to do in order to raise something? You have to start real low. Brother Harold, then you can take it from low to high. 
David didn't walk out of the shepherd's field and put a crown on. David didn't walk out of the shepherd's field and forget everything about where he came from. As I just preached, David reminds us that God brought him from somewhere and he put him somewhere and it was all for the glory of God. David reminds us of his ascension. The Bible describes David's position as one that was raised up on high. The final position of David was not nearly as important as the steps and the places it took to get him there. You say, Brother Brandon, I see this preacher on television or I see this Christian or I see this this person, man, their life is all together just because God's got them there now. I can promise you that's not where they started. That's not where, that's not where life began, but they've allowed God to build their life. And it's allowed God, and one of the greatest things, and I know I'm only 35 years old and, and our class, and we may do some of the George, some finance things in our class, but can I tell you, one of the greatest downfalls of my generation, of what I am, is wanting what my parents had that took them a lifetime to get at 20 years old. Man, we get in a mess in a hurry, Brother Kevin. We get in trouble in a hurry because I'm telling you, where are we going to be and where God has us? If we'll be patient, God will get us there. I mean, could you imagine? And that day that he came in, that day, and I wasn't there, but just think about shortly thereafter, God has anointed him king, and then he goes down to the Valley of Elah, and he, he knows that God's anointed him as king. It's not known throughout all the, all the land, but then Saul puts his armor on him, so now God's anointed him. Now the king over the nation is putting his armor on him, and David could be simply thinking, man, I have arrived, and I am something, but David said, he put it off. He said, I have not proved this. He simply used what God gave him to the next level of his life. He had us... The Bible said that he used that which he had. He had a sling. He had a bag. He had a stones. He, had a she- he was a shepherd. That's the things he used. And you say, Brother Brandon, how can God use me? Just use the instruments that God's give you in your life right now. And God will put new instruments in your life later. God will put it in your life. Brother Brandon, right now all I'm doing is holding a packet full of children's church material. I'm not even designing the lessons. I'm not doing anything. I was joking this morning, Miss Natalie, and I appreciate all our, our teachers teaching, Miss Best teaching next week back there. And, and you say, man, sometimes you wonder what in the world to do when you get in there. And I said, it's simple. I said, put a juice box in their mouth and tell them about Jesus. I said, one of the two is going to change their life, either the juice box or Jesus. I don't know which one, but just, just preach Jesus. You say, Brother Brandon, that seems so simple right now in their life. But can I tell you, last night we had a wedding yesterday afternoon of everything that was going on. We had a wedding, and, and uh, I didn't want to go, but my wife told me to go and take my little boy and make sure I took pictures. So I went, but we was in that little holding cell. Holding cell. We was in a Sunday school class waiting to go out. It's like a holding cell. I feel like we're fixing to be executed, but... Man, the worst thing about it was a 50-year renewal wedding. So the guy had been married once, and they were getting married again. They didn't figure it out 50 years ago what was going to happen. So now they've renewed it. But regardless of fact, Josiah's in that little Sunday school class, and there's a wooden cross like that on the wall. And I seen him go up and put his back. I knew what he was going to do. He put his back to it, and he put his hands up there like this. I said, Matt, what are you doing? He said, this is the cross. And I'm thinking, yeah, and it's just me and him in there. And I said, well, who, who died on that cross? He said, Jesus. I said, what did he die for? He said, my sins. He ain't saved yet, but he's five years old. Where did he learn that? He learned that from a juice box and somebody telling him about Jesus back there in that class. Can I tell you, it don't have to, you don't have to have the greatest Bible. You don't have to be carrying an R.L. Allen or a brand new iPad or have everything polished. Just tell people about Jesus and do what God's called you to do and God will change lives. But David, he remembered his past, but he remembered where he was ascended from. He remembered very vividly of what he had. He remembered very vividly what God brought him from. I can sit here and tell stories all night long. I look back, Brother Wayne, I believe our first year that we went to the beach after I came, became back youth pastor here at this church, I believe, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's about $4,800, which is still a lot of money. 
And that ain't a drop in the bucket of what this church invests now to make sure that meeting goes forward. Brother Brandon, what happened? We didn't get from year one to year nine just because somebody was preaching or somebody was teaching. It just took step by. And I don't know, we may be fixing to, to move on to something else or what God has. I have no clue, but I do know this. Our church has got to where we are. Those pictures back there in that office, Brother Wayne, of the first building, the second building, when I pull on property there Tuesday to bury my grandma at Peacehaven. There was a building out there that used to be a furniture building. Many of you remember that. That's where the church started. They borrowed the furniture building. Then God's built it. And I'm not, pro I'm not promoting the church. I'm not promoting the ministry. I'm not, I'm not bashing or promoting anything. But God starts in areas of our life that we can control and we can handle. And God will begin to build. God will begin to do things. David reminds us of his ascension. God raised him. God relates him. I wrote this down. Anyone who is truly a hero, me or anybody else at faith or a leader at faith or a Sunday school teacher or a simple member of the church, it's very important. It did not start on the top. The greatest teachers, preachers of our day did not start with a title, a tux, or a treasure, but rather a mop, a broom, or a water cup. Brother Garrett, I don't know what God's going to do with Brother Garrett's life, but you just keep bringing water to your daddy. Just keep bringing water. He said, but the brand, it ain't very important. It is when you get done preaching. I promise you that. It's very important, and it's very needful, and I'm drinking that, and I'm going to be thankful for Garrett in just a few minutes when I get done preaching. But the brand, it doesn't seem like I do a whole lot. It doesn't seem like I come back and put song books, or I vacuum, or I stack up choir books, or I turn on land. Or you, just, you just keep coming, and I promise you God's going to help our church, and God will help our church. These things that of serving Christ isn't about a poster or a post or an award we ought to allow Christ to raise us up and keep our focus on working at hand. David wasn't really concerned about the position as he was knowing the Savior, and David did that. David reminds us that here in the last words of David. Number three, quickly, David not only in this text reveals his past and David remembers his ascension, but the last words of David, the lessons that he's leaving with us here in 2 Samuel 23, David rested in his praise. We said, Brother Brandon, that sounds pretty arrogant. Let's read the verse again. Now these be the last words of David, David, the son of Jesse. There's the start. And the man who was raised up on high, that's what God did, the anointed one, the anointed of the God of Jacob. Then notice the last phrase, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. Why in the world would David consider himself the sweet psalmist of Israel? If you study your Bible, you'll realize it wasn't David that gave him that title. It was the people that gave him that title. You know, David played a harp for Saul, and David had a gift. David had an anointing there with music, and God had blessed David. But David wasn't speaking of himself. David did right by reminding us where he came from. But the people called him and reminded him. We know for sure tonight, and I've got time to preach the, the text, and you can look this up for yourself, but at least 73 of the Psalms were written by this man by the name of David. His last song here is Swan Song, literally in chapter number 22. I encourage you to go back and read it. David had done a lot through the ministry of music, and God had anointed him through the ministry of music, but David had nothing to prove. What do you say, Brother Brandon? What do you mean by he rested? In the court of law, and I'm thankful I hadn't been there very few times in my life and never on a criminal charge to my knowledge. I don't want to go, but I'm saying in the court of law, when you watch it on television, if you've been there before or, or witnessed it by whatever, what, when, in the court of law, when either side feels that they have the best, or they have through their best ability presented their case to the judge, the jury, they will say this, they'll say, I rest my case. That means the end result is up to someone else. They can't determine the verdict. They can't determine anything that happens. But they've done their best to present their case, and it's rested. We look again at the end of verse number 1. David is described as the sweet psalmist of Israel. Some may say that I can't believe David was so arrogant that he would, you know, he would, he would glorify in himself. The only problem is it wasn't, as I said, David didn't give himself this title. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, this is a lesson that we need to learn that we struggle with in our life a lot of times, even myself. But Proverbs 27 says this in verse number 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest 
not what the day may bring forth. Notice verse number 2. Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, and not thine own lips. Now, I'm not saying encouragement isn't good. I'm not saying when you walk out, whether you're lying or not, you say, hey, Brother Brandon, great message. It encourages me. But I, I'm telling you this, when we, when we, when we have to, to self-praise ourselves, David's teaching us here in this text, his last words is, listen, others have said this about me. I just give God the glory. I give God the glory. He said, Brother Brandon, anything that I accomplish in my life, if I, if I preach a message, Brother, Brother, Brother Evan, that's a, that's a home run and, and the altars are full and everybody's running, you say, well, you know, Brother Brandon, that was you. No, that was God. And if I lay an egg, you say, Brother Brandon, that was you. Probably so. But I'm telling you this, God will help us if we'll leave the praising up to, of ourselves up to the Lord and up to others. You say, Brother Brandon, how in the world does that make any sense? Why is that a life lesson? The final words of David describing his identity were not spoken to glorify self but rather to magnify the Savior. There's no greater joy or no greater achievement, I don't think, Brother Mike, in our whole life is when we come to the end of our life and our final words brings glory to our Savior. He's the one that's got us there. May our lives always point to Him. I said that to say this, and we're closing in just a moment, and I'll get you out of here quickly. Tuesday night, I guess it was the days run together, but Tuesday night my dad had called, and, uh, you know, when they, they say, hey, listen, it's going to be any hour. She ended up making it till Friday night, and it was a long week, and I'm thankful that she was here as long as she was. But Tuesday night when I got there, God allowed us to be there with my grandma, and it was really the last night that she was, when I say conscious, she was the last night she was in her right mind. You'll know what I mean by that. Last night she was speaking. When I went in the room, you know, I, I told my dad to begin with, I, mean, I didn't know what I was going to see, I and mean, I knew it was bad. But they had her there, and, and hospice was there in her house, and they, they had... Uh, put her back in the bedroom and I went back there and I said dad I said don't wake her up I said I didn't come here for her to see me I just came up here to make peace and to make sure that, that I got to see her uh, before she was gone and he said no I want her to know she's here so I went back there and and he he yelled and he said this is Brandon but when she opened her eyes she knew who I was and immediately she told me she loved me and I said nanny I love you too and she said this is what she said every time she seen me she said how's things going at the church and I always say they've not ran me off yet and my grandma loves me, and her response every time is, they better not run you off. And uh, she means that. I mean, she'd go to war for me. But then she, she, and she would often call me, Brother Allen, after I got done preaching, and she'd say what an encouragement it was. And she told me that night, and she, she, the last time I got to talk to her, Brother Matt, that she knew who I was. And she said, just keep preaching. She said, it encourages me. And um, that's what I want to do. I just want to keep preaching because... It encouraged my grandma, not just because of that, but it meant something to me. And little did she know, and I don't even know that she has a clue, but the last words that my great-grandpa spoke to my dad, it's on a plaque, I believe, in his office. She spoke to me. The last thing she said to me, she said, trust the Lord, he'll never let you down. And then that was it. I walked out of the room, and I said, I made my peace. Other people went in, and then Wednesday, she was there in body, but she was not there in mind. And I got to be there um, Friday night when she took her last breath and I was just a few rooms away and I know it was coming but it's still it's hard and we understand that but you know I, I'm thankful for for a heritage and I started thinking about you know David's last words you realize this is the premise of this message there's coming a day that every one of us outside the rapture we're going to speak our last words David made sure that brother Josh he had some things settled before he spoke his like when he spoke his last words David didn't say, hey, we got to go to war tomorrow with this person, or this is what God's done, or this is how things should be. I know he's spoken to Solomon. I know the, the temple's coming. I know God's done a lot of things through David's life. But at the end of David's life, the only thing he cared about in verse number one was reminding us where he was, who he was, reminding us of how he got to where he was going, 
and reminding us that the praise, everything that had been given to him, was because of a Savior. That's a pretty powerful words from a man of God that's fixing to go off the scene. Can I leave you with this? I want you, I'm not going to preach Jesus. I just want you to think about this. And I'm not here to preach doom and gloom and despair, but I, as I know, as I said the other night, I've got a big family there. I mean, there's people in every room. There's enough food there to feed an army. And we're there for my grandpa, and I'm thankful for that. But you know, there's coming a day that, that, it, that it's hard to see my grandparents go because I know my parents are getting older. I know I'm getting older. And, and life sometimes it can be depressing if you allow it to depress you and realize that, that things are coming. And if God doesn't come back, there's going to be a day that I'm going to say my final words. And whether they're recorded or whether they're not recorded, it doesn't really matter. Could I tell you, as I was looking at my grandma this week, but Alan, I started thinking about this. You know, there's some things that I ought to have settled before I get to my last words. I'm not preaching these. Miss Savannah, if you want to come on, you can come on because I'm, not going to, I'm just going to read them. I don't have liberty to preach them tonight. But can I tell you before you speak, David spoke his last words in chapter number one. This is the beginning of David's exit off the scene. I know there's a few chapters left, but the Bible said now these are the last words of David. Can I tell you before our last words are spoken, Brother Matt, our salvation better be settled. I've had a, I've had a man tell me literally before, and I, he's, in, he, he's in eternity now, and Lord, I hope that he's in heaven. But he, he said, listen, he said, I said, you ought to pray and ask God to, to save you. He said, God doesn't give us the power of prayer until we're right at death. And I said, man, that's a dangerous way to live. But that's what he'd been taught all of his life. But can I tell you, before we speak our last words, we better make sure our salvation is settled. And I tell you, secondly, we better make sure that our strives have been resolved. You say, Brother Brandon, you got a normal family. Man, my family's as messed up as y'all's families are. I understand that. I, I, I don't, I'm not there going to liberate, but I had people that, that, that in my family that are living in sin that that uh, were called the other night, and I heard what they said on the speakerphone about my grandma and about my grandpa and how they wouldn't come, and it's his family. And I sit there, and I'm thinking, man, it wouldn't do them good to walk through the door right now because I'm here. But can I tell you, all of us have, all of us have issues. All of us have family, and all of us have things in our life. But can I tell you, there's nobody or nothing worth leaving this world having strife with. There's nothing worth it. Our salvation better be settled. Our strife better be resolved. Our bitterness better be corrected. Our focus better be clear what really matters to you. And our followers better be convinced. As Miss Savannah begins to play, I think about words of uh, Brother Mark said this at camp many years ago, Brother Kevin. He said this. Brother Mark Stroud said, he said, when I get done preaching, you may not believe what I believe. But when I get done, you're going you're gonna to know I believe what I believe. Now, I tell you, it's the same way that, that my grandma lived, and she wasn't perfect. And, and I'm not perfect. Our pastor's not perfect. But every time I preach, every time I teach, and every time you testify to somebody, you're teaching somebody. We talked about this morning in Sunday school about people rejecting the cornerstone of life. Some people's just going to say no. But whether or not, Petey, they ever believe what you believe or not, they ought to know you believe what you believe. They ought to know that. Those that follow after us, they ought to be convinced. I don't know a lot about them, but, man, they sure believed in Jesus. They sure thought he was everything. David summed that up in verse number 1 of 2 Samuel 23. Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, a man who was raised up on high, anointed one of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. How can you sum up a man's life in one verse? Well, the Bible did a great job here. He remembered who he was. He remembered how he got to where he was going. And he left all praise, honor, and glory up to others and giving them to Jesus Christ. Can I remind you tonight, there's some lessons we can learn from last words. There's some lessons we can learn from those that's went on, that's passed on. I think about loved ones in this church, and I can mention them all night long, that we say, but the brand in their life made an impact in my life. It did, but the God of heavens, what made an impact in their life and allowed them to make an impact in our life. We're standing tonight, every head bowed and every eye closed. Can I? Hello, friends. This is Brian Poindexter, the 
pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat-and-meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. 
Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask Him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? Well, first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked Him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sins. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.